Good evening, everybody. We are once again here. And uh, we've got one more week to go, one more Saturday to go before this month ends, because I think we have five Saturdays five and five Sundays. So this is session 90 of our Q&A. We just thank God for every week, every opportunity he gives us to serve him and minister to his people. Thank you for all the questions that have come in. There's so many backlog. Mm. But some of them I just keep it because I just want to go to things which are more pressing than eschatological. Because eschatology, we all can go wrong and one day it will be answered. Mm. But let's, let's primarily go to the life issues first. And then we have time, we will go into the other questions. So once again, I thank you for everyone who has sent the questions. And this evening before we start, I would ask Pastor Vijay, would you lead us in prayer? Father in heaven, we just want to thank you once again for this evening that you've given to us, this session of Q&A, oh Father. Thank you, Father, for all the questions that your children have sent from all around the world. And even as, Lord, we look into these questions, I pray, Father, for a special anointing of your Holy Spirit to rest upon your servant and upon all of us who hear. And I pray, Father, that you would make every answer relevant to each one of us in our situations, oh Lord, and meet us at the point of our need. Yes, Lord, uh, the answer to every situation is you, your spirit, and your word. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, that truly, Lord, you would, Father, give us wisdom and understanding, O oh Lord, Father, in your ways. Teach us, teach us your ways, show us your paths, and lead us into the way of everlasting life. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory, for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor, Sam, the mics are okay? That's what it is. Okay. Pastor, this is question number 11. <clears throat> it's a person is asking, how do we judge ourselves without, in, without condemning ourselves at the same time? How do we judge ourselves without condemning ourselves at the same time? First, uh, when we use that word condemnation, it has, uh, it has different connotations. But when we talk about condemnation in this real scriptural sense, there's only one who can condemn. It is God. Mm. First, we need to realize, even if you condemn yourself and God says you're guiltless, your condemnation means nothing. Even if you free yourself and God condemns you, your plea of, your verdict of guiltless means nothing. So one thing about to look at it is like we, because when we, because some of the terms become so familiar, we forget its actual, actual, uh, meaning in scripture. Like there's only one who can condemn. It is God. That condemnation is eternal. It's not temporary. It's not a temporary. So temporary condemnations don't really actually matter other than psychologically affecting you. It doesn't have eternal implications. Eternal implication of condemnation, once you're condemned, you are done with. There is no reversing the verdict. Okay. So then we come to the question about Judging ourselves. The Bible talks about we need to, the spiritual man judges ourselves. So, in that second, secondary sense of condemnation, meaning, not in the sense of eternal. Okay, not in the sense, because you don't have the power to do that anyway. But, no, like, let's say, Sportsmen, like I can only talk about cricket or football, the games which we know, you know, when he plays a rash shot and he gets out, you know how he goes back hitting the bat on the ground, man, mm. what a stupid shot. I knew better. Yeah. I knew better. I could have done better than that. I mean, 
that was a stupid shot. That's somewhere like a rookie place, that kind of a <laughs> shot, not me, you know. So that is what I am talking about. So we judge ourselves. And if that is the attitude, that is fine. You're not condemning yourself. You are you're being tough on yourself. And I would say that we need to be tough on ourselves. Mm. Okay. But there is one portion in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10. Okay. After all that we look today about encouraging ourselves and this thing, chapter 10, verse 26 onwards, okay, to 31. Now it comes to different. If we deliberately, okay, that is willful, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Okay, That's what I said. We have to look at scripture in its totality. Because Romans 8.1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then NIV takes half the words off. Because NIV is a, is a guiltless translation. So you don't have to repent. You don't have to do anything. Okay, But uh, can we go there and come back to this Romans 8.1? Okay, when we talk about condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Comma. Okay, many trans NIV puts a full stop over there and takes the other off. But to who are, who are not condemned? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. In this, there are two aspects. Okay, first, walking in the spirit means... Uh, first, we all walk in the flesh. We fall. First step is that we fall. The spirit convicts. We repent. We confess. We are cleaned. Mm. That is one way of walking in the spirit because nobody is perfect. I know only what God has revealed to me. I don't know what he hasn't revealed about myself. Mm. Okay, so nobody should. That's why we are called to be blameless blameless, okay? Mm. Because if there are certain things, if the Spirit of God reveals, we would be shocked. And I believe God as a Father only reveals things according to our our maturity. Okay, as a Father, He won't put a weight on us which we cannot bear. So there is one thing about falling in the flesh and walking in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes, He brings conviction. He doesn't bring condemnation. Mm-hmm. He brings conviction. Condemnation comes because we did not listen to the conviction and we did not walk in that conviction. And what the conviction? Conviction should lead to repentance. Yes. Repentance leads to restoration, restitution with God and with man. Okay, man, we can live it alone, but with God, definitely there is restoration. Now, we don't do this. We don't do Romans 8, 1, and instead we flip to Hebrews 10. Okay, Hebrews 10. Go back to Hebrews 10. Yeah, verse 24. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth. Okay, we deliberately, we know it. Okay, but we are not going to listen to the Holy Spirit, to the Word or the Spirit. We are not going to do it. Okay, then what is left? The blood of Jesus is not working for you. Why? Because there is no conviction, there is no confession, and there is no cleaning. Of the blood. The blood is not. There are three things which is one is conviction, moves to confession, which leads to cleansing. But when there is no conviction, because you are deliberately doing it, the Spirit of God leaves you alone. He's not, he's not stopping you. He's not convicting you. You have no guilt. You have no remorse. Nothing is happening. 
Okay. Therefore, you are not confessing. You are not walking in the light. The blood of Jesus is not working for you. And then what is left? No sacrifice of sins. What is that? Jesus' death, atonement for your sins. It's not working for you. It's not working for you. It works only for those who confess, who who is convicted and confess and call upon them. The blood only works for them because they're walking in the light. If you look at one John, it goes it goes together. If you're walking in the light, continuous. Okay, then what happens? The blood of Jesus continuously. How do you walk in the light? There is conviction and there is confession. Okay, that's a light. Like I said, now when this light comes on, we actually see things which we didn't see before. Because the light starts revealing. Okay. On the other hand, if you have just a candle over here, what you see with the candle light is different from what you see under the tube light and what you see under this flood light, so whatever you want to call it. Okay. Now you look at it, you I can't even see you properly after that because the light blinds. Okay. So that's what God is talking about. God the Bible says he is covered with darkness. That doesn't mean there is any, anything hidden about him. He hides himself from us so that we are not destroyed mm. by the light of his uh, holiness, the light of his glory. We are not destroyed, okay? Because we cannot, none of us can handle it. None of us can handle it. Remember when Jesus showed his glory, they all fell on their flame mm. faces, okay? We cannot, um, we cannot handle primarily. We can handle his goodness. We can handle his greatness. We cannot handle his holiness. That's why the angels cover their faces. Okay, if you look, if I am right, they cover their faces with four wings. The six wings cover their faces, feet, and they fly. Yeah. And they fly with two. They cover with four. So you see that two flying actually represents serving. They serve with two wings, but they cover themselves, their face and their feet with four wings. That is the nature of God's uh, there. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Okay. That is basically these angels in the presence of God's light, his glory. Basically his holiness is his light, his glory. Okay. So we can't handle it. So God just reveals it little by little by little by little to us. Mm. And as we are convicted, because we saw the light, we are convicted, we confess, we are cleansed, we are walking in the light. We are walking in the light. Mm-hmm. And everybody who is going through that process is able to have fellowship with Indeed, one another. Yeah. That does not mean you have fellowship with everybody because some of them are not convicted. They will not con- confess. So you will see the fellowship will be very superficial. Mm-hmm. You cannot have a deep fellowship with them because they refuse to come to the light. Yes. Because their works are evil. Okay. The Bible says they refuse to come into yeah. that light. They refuse to confess. So that is there. So when you go through this process, we understand what condemnation is. But when you don't do this, when you don't do this, condemnation comes. Condemnation comes. You're condemned. Whether you know it or not, you're condemned. You're condemned. Why? Go back to Hebrews. What happens? Hmm? Okay. Okay. A certain... If we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins because there is no conviction, there is no confession, there is no cleansing. What is left then? A certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. We have become God's adversary now. Okay, and verse 28. 
Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies, dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, talking about the law. Mm. So how much more worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot first, the work of God, Son, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing. Mm. He's not even bothered about it. And insulted the spirit of grace that you refused to listen to his conviction. You insulted him, so he left you. He's no longer speaking to you. Because all three is coming. The work of Christ on the cross. The blood that continuously sanctifies is available in the spiritual realm to sanctify us. And three, we have insulted the spirit of grace. Okay? And what is left? Verse 30. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Verse 32 says, for our God is a consuming. But recall the former days after which you endured with a great struggle. Okay, it's not Actually, there. 12, 12, Hebrews 12, last verse. Okay, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. We don't have to go there, we don't have to go there, okay? So we need to understand, that is how we judge ourselves without condemning. We don't have to condemn ourselves. But if we willfully continue and the Spirit of God is no longer convicting us and we don't have this life of conviction, confession and okay. cleansing, we are actually getting ready for condemnation. So we don't have to condemn. We, on the, the simple thing, we cannot condemn ourselves. We don't have the power to condemn ourselves. Like, can you go to the whichever jail and say, I condemn myself, please hang me to death? No, you can't do that. They won't do it. You can hang yourself if you want. They won't hang you. Okay, so if you come to Romans 8, and if I'm right, it's verse 34. Yeah, Romans 8, 34. Yeah. 34, yeah. 34, yeah. Who is he who condemns? Mm-hmm. It is Christ who died, <laughs> and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for yeah. us. Okay, so basically it's saying, for those who are walking in that Romans 8, 1 law, but the law of the Spirit, yes, the flesh is there. We are trying to fight flesh every day, but flesh surfaces. We sin, but we are convicted. We confess. We repent, we ask for forgiveness from God to man, and we go through the process, then what happens? Christ intercedes for us before the Father. Mm-hmm. So God says, who is the one who condemns you? He says, ultimately judgment lies with me, not with man. Who is the one who condemns? For it is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Now, don't confuse regret with condemnation. Regret is it's, it is real, yes, real yeah. and it may last even in eternity. There will be regret when you're looking looking into Revelation 22 about no sorrow, no grief, no pain. Please remember the context. It is talking to the overcomers. It's talking to the overcomers who went through pain and suffering for His name's sake, and suffered, were abused and slandered and beaten. But all the others who lived a flip-flop life in the rich in heaven and the works have been burned up for fire, there will be regret. Mm. Okay, I'm not saying there will be jealousy or envy for that. They will know God is fair and they also know. But there will be regret. If you ask Moses, do you regret? He says, of course I do. I wanted to go to the promised land. That was my entire dream. Do I regret? And he tells at the end of it, because of you, I could not go in. <laughs> you triggered me. 
and I lost it. <laughs> okay. Okay. You triggered me, I lost it. Of course there will be regret. All of us will regret. Because, you know, even in natural life, normal life, we have regrets by saying, I know, sure. I, I know what I could have been. Yes, absolutely. I could have been because time is running out. Mm. Time is running out. I could have, if I had done this, if I had done this, if regret is there. But that, you don't live on regrets. But regret is real. Mm. Okay, it, it does not go away. You know, it is real. Could have done better. That's when people ask, if you were given a chance to go back, what would you do? Very few people would say that I would try to do the things. Which, and especially, you know, I think it is Billy Graham and, uh, all young, all those people, when they were asked, what would you do? They would say, I would cancel most of my meetings and spend time with my family. They, all of them had the same thing. This, what is your regret? The regret is that. Even that one yeah, all of them said, I would have spent more time within at my home, with my family, with my children, and not outside. That's why I would recorrect it yourself. You know? So you need to realize that these are things, you know, but you can't take it. It's gone. So I'm gonna come back. Even in eternity, you're not gonna get back. Your children are not going to be small and you're going to spend time with them again. It's not going to happen. You only have one chance for those things on earth. Those experiences, either you have it or you don't have it. If you have it, you take it with you. If you don't have it, you'll never know it. Okay, so there are lots of things which you regret. Regret is, but you don't have to condemn yourself for that. Okay, because your regret itself is justice. Amen. So you judge yourself with the spirit and the word and make those corrections. Go through the conviction, confession, cleansing part and walk without condemnation. Self-condemnation is a very terrible thing. Don't do that. And don't let others condemn you to listen to them. Don't let their words condemn you, but listen to them because sometimes uh, it's good to listen to people who dislike you. There's much truth in what they say. Okay, what they say. It's, no, listen to what, uh, what, no, like, if you are a charismatic, listen to John MacArthur. He will pinpoint your frailties and then make or cross, no, make corrections. Listen to him. Okay. Because he may miss the big picture, but he picks on things which are the, the follies of the Pentecostals and the Charismatics. So listen to that and say, you know what, thank you Lord for him. I will not be that. I'll be a Pentecostal. I'll never be a Baptist. I'll be a Pentecostal. But I have learned from the Baptists. They have seen where we are wrong. And they're always cross-checking with the word. Okay. So that way, even in a small context or a bigger context, if you're a husband, listen to your wife. Listen to when she's mad. What she says. What she says. Because she means it. So she may not show it the next day. That's been in her heart and her mind for a long time. That's what upsets her. Upset every time you have an argument, if same thing keeps coming back, then take a break and listen to that carefully. That's what is upsetting you. Or a child says something repeatedly. Listen, something which they are saying, which is upsetting them. Which is upsetting them. And these are patterns. Once you look at the patterns, you know that needs to be dealt with immediately because that is an issue. And if the fault is there, I need to sit down and talk. Fault is with me. I need to change. I need to change, you know. So that's how God deals with us too. Mm. Okay. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, there's another practical question also. This is question number 14. Uh, 
is it normal if on some days we don't sense the, sense the passion and fire for God, but are numb? It's as if everything is shut down. Uh, quiet. Wouldn't describe this as backsliding or turning away from faith, but as if God is silent, as if it's not adequate enough, as if not quite there. It's so high in the spiritual graph for weeks or months to average, and then all of a sudden it drops so low. As a pastor, how do you constantly keep your faith, word, praise, peace, revelation so up and high-tuned to the voice of God day in and day out? Okay. First thing we need to realize, we are dealing with a person. Dealing with a person. Okay. And it, when you deal with this person, unlike persons we have in, in our, among humans, human life, because, uh, like we say, with humanity, when the best of men are the end of the day, are men. At best men. Okay. At the best only men. So even the best of men in the Bible, we will see they, fail, okay, at the end of the day, Paul and also fought with Barnabas, <laughs> okay, he's one of the best of men, <laughs> at the end of the day, he fought with an older brother who mentored him, okay, so best of men are also men, okay, so please, so now we are not talking about men, we are talking about God, we are talking about God, so one thing we understand about God is that there's no flaws in him. Okay, let me tell you how to put it across relationally. Like, uh, let's put in terms in which God puts it in, so it's easy for us to understand. For this purpose, man shall leave his father, or father and mother, cleave to his wife, and they shall become one. I'm not talking about a man and his wife, but I'm talking about Christ and the church, church yeah. because marriage is a mystery. So he puts these two together. Yeah. Okay, so in 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 marriage, the most important thing in marriage is trust. Hmm. Most important thing in marriage is trust. Okay? And remember, trust is earned. Love is free. Trust is earned. Okay? We can trust God because God says, even when you are faithful, unfaithful, you can trust me. (laughs) I never change. My character never changes. I'm always trustworthy. Hmm. I'm always, always trustworthy. You can bank on me. I'm always trustworthy. I may not do things which you think I will do, but I always do things my way, and my ways are always right. Yeah. It's simply because not I'm egoistic, but because I don't go wrong. That's, it. That's not in my system. I cannot go wrong. I'm always right, mm. and I can always be trusted. So that's where it comes. So in a relationship, the most important part is trust. Okay? You love a person, but you can also love a person whom you don't trust. Okay, when your children are small, you don't trust them to do what you tell them, but you love them. You love them. Okay, so we we don't magnify love in that case. The main thing is that trust, trust. What happens is when you trust a person, let us say, putting in the human perspective, you trust a person, let us say your spouse, and your spouse is far away. Old days, let us say not today, old away, or even today, far away, 2,000 miles away, 3,000 miles away. And communication systems are in there like today, or it's breakdown, okay? You can't call, there's no PC or nothing. There's no conversation for uh, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, but nothing changes for you. You know why? Because you know the person. 
you know the person. You trust the person. Okay. So nothing changes. And the minute you get the call or you get through, it reverts back to what it always was. Mm. Okay. So the same thing is with God. Sometimes God does it. He doesn't speak to you. Speak to you. There's nothing. And the question is, can you still walk by faith of who he is? You know what? You don't have to speak to me any day. You don't have to hold me close every day. You don't have to pat me on my back every day. I know you. You don't change. Mm. Even if you don't tell me for the next 14 days how much you care for me, you have already proved it on the cross. Okay? So, there will be seasons where God deliberately withdraws. He's silent. But that is just a test of whether we trust him. Whether we trust him. So that should not make any difference to us. Should not make a difference because of the person. With human beings, you see, let me tell you, almost all the problems which we, if you, like, if you look in the context of a church, almost all the problems a church faces with individuals are actually rooted in the homes. In the homes. And they bring it to the public place, whether it's a church or an office or something. Most of the problems are rooted in the home. Okay. Because if the home is secure, home is secure. The husband trusts the wife with all the heart. The wife is absolutely content in the love and the trust of the husband and the children are there. When they come to church, they're not looking for anything. They're not. You see, people are looking for appreciation, a pat, everything everywhere. You know why? Because they're not they getting get it. it at home. Yeah. They're not getting it at home. They're not getting it at home. In the same way, when God has accepted us in the beloved, and all that we are doing is now to seek God's approval. God's approval. And then... What others say should not affect us, bother us, should not bother us. Okay. So what happens is when your relationship with God, see if you go to 1 John, how he closes 1 John, it's interesting all the instructions he says. And then he says, okay, chapter 5, verse uh, 12 and 13. And 14, okay. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. He says, wait a second. Forget all your doctrine and everything. Forget all that. Do you have the person or not? You have the person, you have life. If you don't have the person, I don't care what your doctrine is. <laughs> you don't have life. These things that have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know no. that you have, you have eternal it. life. I'm simply trying to make it simple for you. You know why I wrote all these things? You always have this fear of, eternal. am I born again? Am I saved? Do I have eternal life? It's a simple thing. Do you have Christ? Do you have the person of the Holy Spirit in you? The person is a witness. Okay? That you may continue to believe in the Son of God. And verse 14 and this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So verse 14 brings a person over there. So you need to realize it is about this person. So if you go back to the question, it is about that person. If the person is silent, what happens? Okay. 
you are you are let us say um, in a family situation like we are men sitting here three married men and three two married and three unmarried men okay to the unmarried men will say that if you are living at home if your parents are silent then you will realize either they have a issue with me something i did has upset them or they have a issue which they are not telling you know sometimes parents have no issue with the children at all but their minds are consumed by some trouble they are going through they will be silent and usually mothers will tell don't leave dad leave daddy alone don't disturb him now okay don't disturb him now so it could be either they are consumed by trouble or they have an issue with you so that with married people if your spouse is quiet and you know your spouse you know there is something either she or he could be consumed with something which has got nothing to do with your relationship mm. and so she says why don't you tell me and he says i don't want to trouble you with that mm. i don't want to trouble you with that okay that's why we need wives who pray because only wives who pray can be troubled with trouble others cannot be troubled because they also will go into a depression that is why it's fundamental we need praying wives because with them you can share your troubles because they will carry it they are able to carry it they will not brood over it because they will take it to the prayer closet and come back and you feel lighter okay i know she can handle it okay but on the other hand what happens is if she is silent if she is silent then we wonder okay why are you silent okay why are you silent we know there is an issue and if there is no issue then it is fine so if god is silent over there and there's no issue with you and god then you don't have to be on a high this is not emotion game yeah. this is not a emotion game even marriages are not based on emotions if you are if you are going to be all your married life the day when you were in your honeymoon you will have a nervous breakdown you know will have a nervous breakdown okay you are not asked to walk on your feelings you are not asked to walk on any of these things okay feelings are there like we keep saying feelings are good servants but when you wake up on some mornings you feel nothing but tomorrow is a sunday if you are going to give it to feelings for all people who work in the world tomorrow is off if you go to feelings they won't come to church they won't come to church Okay, so in the same way, you wake up in the morning, you feel nothing towards God, you feel nothing towards your spouse. What are you going to do? To turn around and go to sleep? No, you don't have to feel anything. You just get up and still do. You know what is to be with God. You still thank Him. You still praise Him. You still worship Him. You still serve Him. Okay, and sometimes God allows those seasons to go to show, to show us whether our faith is real or not. where we really trust that person or we only came to him for his goodies then we are a child child is hyper only when he get things from the parents so the parents say something negative or quite and the child is depressed the child is very upset very depressed and all god says i'm testing you to show that you know sometimes god just will trust to show and we are not we are okay you're not quiet i'm fine i'll still worship you cuz i know you you haven't changed you know what it's confirmation for you it is confirmation for you that mm. your faith is real because we need to know because every time only when signal comes in okay signal comes in meaning if you know your phone is working only time you get a call then all the time you'll be checking signal is signal is signal is no you know your phone is working there's nothing wrong with the phone 
The phone is working. And I'm working. And I'm working with God. Okay, he's not speaking anything, but I'm good. I'm good. Okay. But I'll tell you one thing you have to be careful about. It is the conviction. When conviction stops, I do believe that is a part which God will never, uh, what he called, that is consistent. That is not somebody, dereliction of duty in the terms of conviction, the Holy Spirit will not do. And if he does it, you and I are in trouble. Mm. Okay. That means if, he's, yeah. Deba- he's Yeah, he's either he is upset. Mm-hmm. He's upset. Okay. Those things we need to be real, very real. The other high and all, it does not matter. It does not matter. Okay. It does not matter. That's why Jesus put this term about duty above feelings. Okay. About the servant who served his master. Working the whole day, master comes in the evening, still serves him, and he says, at the end of that, what do you say? Unprofitable servant. I am unprofitable servant. You know what? You don't even have to say thank you. You mean it's basically this thing about, you don't have to say anything to me. Mm. Okay. After the cross, you don't have to say anything to me. You all, all that you can speak, you have spoken through the cross. You don't have to say anything to me. If you say to me, I'm exceedingly glad. You don't say to me, I will still serve you with joy. Will serve you with joy, you know, because we know the person, we trust the person. Okay, that's how you keep it up. Okay, and uh, God speaks, and then God speaks. One of the major voices of God, I mean, personally in my life, and I would say in any believer's life, is the voice of conviction. <clears throat> the voice of conviction is important to God for us, is because He wants us to finish well. Finish well. Okay, I believe that's what coaches do. Even if you won the game and come after, you said a good job. You did a good job, and I love to tell you. You know what? That minute, that this thing that was foolish, you could have got out and messed up the whole team. Don't do it next time. Be careful, and you will listen to that voice, and you will see God also begins with the Church of Ephesus. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Now let me tell you, <laughs> you are a very bad in this area. And if you don't change it, I will tell you, your game is lost. Okay, game is lost. And you look in churches, that's what he says to five of the seven churches. Isn't that what he says? You're good in this, okay, I like that. But you know what? What I don't like, you don't change it, you lose your light. That's what we need to be careful about. Because all these pats on the back are irrelevant right now. It doesn't matter whether you get it because there's a day set for that. That is what is important. It's temporary, these things, you know, oh, first um, academic year, first, um, what your weekly test, I got 100%. Who cares? Annual, let us see. That is the annual exam. Final exams, we will see. You know, these quarterly results and all. And, uh, you can have come, um, Infosys posting the quarterly profit and uh, annual loss. So this quarterly profit does not matter. We want to see the annual one. Okay, so all these people who are looking for paths, don't worry. There's a big one coming. It's called the D-Day, the Day of Judgment. What will he say on that day is what is important. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Wow. So another uh, practical question. Uh, this is related to question number uh, seventeen. Seventeen. This is related again to uh, to uh, sanctification. And a tremendous tool that God has given us to affect and draw the world out uh, to affect and draw the world 
to him to him mm. we are called roman uh, we are called in romans 12:13 to share with god's people who are in need we need to practice hospitality we are also given another great example of hospitality in acts 18:26 where priscilla and aquila invited apollos to their home to explain to him the way of god more adequately have we lost that wisdom and zeal to draw the world through god would you say that hospitality is there in the, and the bible talks about in hebrews uh chapter uh, not 13 uh they have entertained angels so hebrews chapter 13 yes yeah, yes 13, 32 132 hebrews 132 no hospitality do not forget to entertain strangers for by so doing some have unwittingly entertained angels and we looked at that session in one of the saturdays when we said be hospitable mm. be hospitable okay be hospitable but uh, when you're talking about being hospitable we have to be careful about the age we live into age we live into when you're talking about hospitality if you go to romans 12 and verse 13 no the words that was given over there in distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality okay, let we 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 looked at the actual word of hospital mm. in the old it was not a hospital which took care of the sick it was actually which took because people had nowhere to go when they traveled and they wandered a safe place believers you know never stayed in hotels and all they always stayed with believers mm. you know i mean paul had only two choices either stay with the believer or end up in prison You know? so, uh, so that is what hospitality <laughs> meant okay now we are living in a different kind of a world where the church is large churches into so many de- denominations so many sects and then you have fake churches and all kind of things so i would say that first be hospitable in your own church mm. that's a safe place and it's a safe place be hospitable in your own church okay let's go to the book of acts this is important acts if i'm right acts chapter 5 first you need to be rooted to your local church okay a local church acts chapter sorry 4 and verse 32 Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, one soul, neither did anyone say. So that is the important. That does not happen overnight. Does not happen. It's a process. You, okay, the first call of repentance was accepted, believed, baptized, and became part of a body. Mm. If you are a, let us say if you are a Baptist that is not how it happens let us you are a Baptist of first Baptist church of downtown New York Queens New York there is such a church like that <laughs> and you are moving to Fort Lauderdale in Florida and you want to be you know you take a letter from this church pastor go there and you become a member of the second church okay. but that's not how it happened in the book of acts you repented you were saved you got baptized and you were added to the membership of the church mm. that was how it happened mm. like it happened meaning new members can come but we don't go by the letter 
we don't even ask for a letter we will see if they are really saved or not so those who believed first the thing it's the bible is very clear over there the multitude of those who believed okay not the multitude of those who came to church there are large number of people who come to our church i don't think every one of them believe i don't think every one of them believe different people come for different reasons okay so the bible is very clear those who believed were of one heart and one soul those who believed through the teaching of the doctrine and fellowship and judgment and prayer they become the oneness starts coming in it's a very difficult thing to get oneness it's difficult to get oneness in a family imagine how difficult it is to get oneness in a church okay oneness neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own but they had all things in common okay in a church try to tell in a home try to tell two children to share one toy absolutely okay so children come in that kind of immature children come to church also okay now they had all things in common in verse 33 And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus great grace was upon all of them nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles feet and they distributed to each as anyone had need so there was something it was happening in the context of a church okay jerusalem is only one church and church and the apostles are in charge the first church that is happening this pattern is what we have to replicate in all the local churches in the whole local churches okay a local church has let us say 100 members and all 100 members may not have the same kind of wealth same kind of blessing some may be more rich because that is a gift which god gives so what do they do they take a part of whatever has the spirit leads them they make it in the proceeds in whichever they want and they lay it at the feet of the leadership the feet is important not hands <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> why does why does it say feet and just not right to give it to them because you are taking your say of the matter the bible says they who's they the apostles distributed to each as anyone had need they did not write in the envelope and i am giving you i am giving 1000 rupees but i want it spent this way then it is in the hand and not the feet you getting the picture mm. you getting the picture because the reason is they know the apostles or the eldership has discernment they know they know their sheep they know the flock and usually they have discernment of who is coming for money and who is coming because they really believe who's coming for the freebies because they hear oh the first church of jerusalem is a very giving church it's a good church to join <laughs> good god child and fellows who will not work are coming and sitting there and eating free food when scripture says he who does not work should not, not eat. eat yep okay so this refraff will be always there all ages they are always there that is why it is important to allow the leadership to make that decision because the leader on once i will tell you one simple thing okay when you're sitting in the congregation you look into the left and it's oh this thing looks very poor but when you are at the top you see better you see better 
because you're not looking at one person you're looking at the whole and you know each one of them okay so what happens is one of the like let us say you know let us say a war is taking place and there is this general and the war is taking place at different fronts and the top guys the top brass military brass sitting at headquarters are they getting message after message we need this we need this we need this we need this and if you look they don't give them what they ask they will strategize they'll strategize he says okay this guy is asking for this much this guy is but this need is more than this That's fundamentally what is talking about, okay? Talking about, I remember in all the old churches when I was as a young person, the leadership would always used to tell them this, you know, please do not do this. You are encouraging people who are regulars. And they would tell them, if you want us to prove us wrong, go to the next service in this church at this time and you will see the same people over there for the freebies. For the free. Even in our church, there are some people who will only come when they know there is a program and there is free food. They just come. In some of our pastors' conference, some of the people who come, they are not pastors at all. They have never preached a single message in their life. But they come only to eat. Only to eat. But because it's once a month, if what was it? If it was every day, we would have to weed them out. We have to weed them out. Okay, now let me ask you this question. How many of the people who are there regular, our people who minister, who do the registration and all know who is a pastor and who is not a pastor? Not many. Not mm-hmm. many, but I know. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> Without even checking their antecedents, by now I know who is a pastor and who is not a pastor. <laughs> I know. You know why? Because you, you know who is, a, who is a pastor. You know who is a shepherd and who is not a shepherd. Because mm. you cannot fake a shepherd for too long. <laughs> you know? So you need to realize this is what the Bible is talking about. So it begins from your local church. Local church. It begins from your local church. Okay? Because they know. Then when you are sending to organizations, be very careful you are led by the Spirit. Because all these organizations are very flashy and they sell their works very well. But if you really, really go down to the nitty-gritties and see, you will really see that it is just another job for them. Just another job for them. They have no heart for people. It's just another employment scheme. Okay? So you have to be very wise about it. Very wise about it. Let's go back uh, to that uh, portion. No? As anyone has any need. So if you, when you come back to the question is that at a simple practical level, you can be hospitable. It can be hospital. But we are talking about when hospitality becomes a lifestyle, you have to become very, very careful. You have to be very, very careful. Like in Priscilla and Aquila's case, yes, they invited Apollos him to the home and they explained. Now, it does not mean everybody you invite, you will be able to explain. It will work. They may fight with you and go saying, I don't believe in your doctrine. Mm. This is what I believe. These are just broad guidelines given. But the key thing is that I would rather err on the side of giving giving, than err on the side of not giving. When you see a new person, I would rather give him the benefit of doubt. He looks like a crook. I don't want to make a judgment. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, 
take it and go. And then later you find out he or she is a crook. You decide, you know what? You need to be careful about this. You need to be careful. So, because the reason is that when we as, when I as a pastor deal with issues in the church, like in case of people who need, I don't want people on the long run to be dependent entirely on the mm, church. Mm. I want them to be dependent upon God. God yes. Upon God. Because one thing you don't want to do is play God in people's lives. Because there's only one God. Second thing is that you have to teach them faith. Faith. It's the greatest gift you can pass. As Paul talks about Timothy, it's the greatest gift you can give to people is faith. Mm. Okay? And uh, faith also I means, let us say, uh, if you go to First uh, Peter chapter 3, and if I'm right, it is verse 8. Verse 8. Uh, no, seven. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Okay, comma. Now the thing is that we accept as a fact, we forget about gender equality, throw it all out of the window. Let's look at practical what the Bible says. The man in so many ways is a breadwinner. He's the breadwinner. Mm. He's the breadwinner. He brings the bread home. He's a breadwinner. And when you don't have a breakthrough in your life, you need to check what's your relationship with your spouse. It's God who answers prayers. Mm -hmm. He's the one who said, if God said, if a man does not work, you should not eat. That means God says you should work. Mm -hmm. And God says if you should work, he's the one who opened doors. And if your doors are not opening, you need to ask, what's the problem? So that is where the eldership comes. Because the eldership has information which you don't have. The problem here is, okay, it is something which is in the home, which is the block. So you have the eldership deals with it. Okay? Put your home right. Your breakthrough will come. Anyway, take care for this month. We'll take care for your month. But remember this. Your major issue of finances or lack of supplies is because you're blocked in your home. Put things right in your home. Walk in peace with your spouse. God will start opening. Okay, So we are not doing a charitable work. Our work primarily even in giving is spiritual. We we are stewards of God's resources. God is an extremely good soul. Though he can create everything out of nothing, he still is extremely careful about his resources that he will even ask us to pick up the fragments. Don't waste. Don't waste. Okay, so this is where it comes. So when we do those things, what happens is we are actually becoming part of the hospitality. And what we actually, you know, actually would tell is that you really, really want to practice hospitality, be tuned to the leadership. Mm. Like you come to the, the leadership and say, you know what, pastor, let us say. You have to, I know people who have come and said, Pastor, if you have visitors coming in, please let me know because I have a place in my house. I can put them up. I know Brother Alan is to always say that. You know Brother Alan? Alan yeah. You have people coming in, especially servants of God, and you don't have space. Never hesitate. You can put me up. That way it becomes easy. 
Okay, you know, you you have no. You say, Pastor, you have some, you 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 have somebody coming in, and uh, it's a believer. First, let's deal with believers. Let's deal with God's own people. Because charity begins at home. It doesn't begin outside. You know, Lord, I have a vehicle and I have a driver. If you need it, you know. So you look at what you have. And you put it at the disposal of the church. Not that all the time, but when you need it, I have it over there. And suddenly you realize, you know what? You have become a blessing. Yes. You are becoming a blessing. Okay. Instead of everybody trying to do it on their own, which is just creates chaos and confusion, ingratitude, and then grumbling that in this one helped me, that one never did. You don't have to, when it comes to the top, nobody says anything. Yep. Nobody says anything. Absolutely. Okay, nobody mm. says anything. No? And you who gave is miserable, the one who received is miserable, the others are miserable. What came out of it? Nothing came out of it, ultimately. No? Mm. So if I'm saying, that's why I said, be in a, that's why the first thing over there is a church. All those who believed were together. We are not talking about in a mainland traditional format. They have their social society, which will do and keep us out of it. It's become more like an organization. We are talking about a genuine church, which is comes together as believers, where not only the body needs are met, the spiritual needs are also met. If you go to Acts chapter 6 or 7, uh, the apostles. Six, six. Yeah, six. six. Go from verse one onwards. Acts six. In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily. This trouble is starting now. Okay? More and more believers are being saved and there are two groups, Jewish believers and Gentile believers. And a complaint came to the apostles. What happened? Hmm. You see, everything is happening in the context of the church. The, the people are give, coming and putting money over there. The money is being used to take care of the widow. Old days, there were plenty of widows. Plenty of men died in war, men died in sickness. And the church is suddenly has got a ministry right in their hands taking care of the widows. And there was a complaint. You know what? The people who are serving are serving the Hebrew widows more and we are getting less. So what did the twelve do? They summoned. Okay? They said, the multitude of the disciples, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve the tables. Their delegation is coming. They're delegating. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom may, we may appoint over this business. So they're telling you, okay, find among yourself seven people. We want them to take over the hospitality. And if you come over there, we will give ourselves. On the other hand, you know what? We will be continuously. Two things I told in the morning also. How does a servant of God go into eternity without condemnation? Because he says, I have preached the entire word of God and I have prayed for my congregation. My hands are clean. I cannot make people accept it. That only you can. But I have to do what I have to do. Give them the full counsel and have to intercede. And they say, you know what? That's what we will do. We will give ourselves the ministry of word and prayer. And this saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen and they chose Philip and the names are there of which we know two people, Stephen and Philip. So that does not mean Stephen and Philip were serving in the tables all their life. But they were found faithful in this task mm. and God picks these two people. People Philip becomes an evangelist and Stephen becomes the first martyr. Okay, so you will see, it was always in the format of the church, these things were done. 
then over and above it when you have opportunities on a personal level like in its evangelistic this thing um Priscilla Aquila open their heart to the word of God, their homes to Paul. Mm-hmm. That is how it starts. They become believers. So they were mentored by Paul. They are strong in the Lord, receive the Holy Spirit. They know the word. Apollos comes and listen to Apollos and immediately they have discernment. You know what? This man knows the word, but something is missing. That's the difference when you listen to a Baptist and a Pentecostal preacher. The Pentecostal preacher who's good in his word, not the others. Okay, you know the Baptist is good in his word, but the Pentecostal has a knife's edge, and that comes from the spirit. So they realize, you know what, Apollos is good, but he's missing something. So they invited him home. So that kind of local hospitality is perfectly fine. And wherever you have opportunities, open your hands, receive them into your homes, but be very, very wise, because there are lots of frauds, lots of dangerous people all around. So you have to be very, very wise. Ask the Holy Spirit very clearly. Use discernment. You know, there are people, we have to block numbers forever. They will otherwise keep on texting you, asking for money. Asking, 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 asking. Okay, we have to block them. And they will call from different, different numbers. And you have to keep on blocking those numbers. (laughs) Because you know, these guys are not genuine. These guys are not genuine. and Lots of them. So, that is the thing. But hospitality is a big, 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 big. But let us also be careful about the culture we live in, the nations we live in. It differs. Let us say a culture like US or Australia, it is easier. Mm. It's because the culture is Christian. Mm. Yes. In India, you have to be very careful. We try to invite somebody for Christmas and say, please come all our unbelieving neighbors. We call them and we have and give them a message. Tomorrow they will call you for holy. We have only one festival. They have 500. <laughs> okay. And if we say no, they get offended. They get offended. Okay. So don't replicate Western models in Eastern countries because it sometimes boomerangs. That's why we have to be have wise and use discernment. Wise and use discernment. Okay, so hospitality, show to the house of believers. And you, it has to go, the first pattern Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. It begins there. That's your local church. If you look in the terms of church, that's your local church. From there, it should go to Judea. If you have other branches, it should go to your other branches. Why? Because the pastors there know what is genuine and what is not genuine. Then it should go to Samaria, the extended. If you are a larger church, it should go that way. Take care of your own. Take care of your own. First, take care of your own. If your child needs his fees to be paid, your neighbor's child needs it, whose fee will you pay? Your child's fee. Oh, I'm very charitable. Let your child go to college. No, take care of your child first. Right? That's what the Bible says. If you don't take care of your own family, you're worse than an unbeliever. So the same thing. That is the pattern in which we go. Okay? And after you have met all this, you have excess and more, then give it to the other churches. Give it to Salvation Army. One thing about Salvation Army is, among all the others, they are one of the most genuine. Because they have devoted themselves to hospitality. Taking care of, you no. Know? So Salvation Army can in so many ways can be trusted. So after an excess and above you have, let the Lord lead you, give it. 
but begin in Jerusalem and go in that. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Man, must another practical question again. Mm. Uh, this is question number 16, just the previous one. Christian life has its share of difficulties and painful trials. Would you agree with me on this? These times can be burdensome and spiritually distracting. Paul wrote, uh, wrote for the need of comforting in First Thessalonians chapter 2.12. Do you agree we need to be empathetic and not sympathetic? Okay. Before I get into it, let me tell you why. Because this is all the previous question, why this comes all from experience. There have been so many cases, okay, what happens is when the leadership doesn't know. And later you get a bitter taste when you know people who infiltrated the church and they took money from everybody. Wow. Okay, took money from everybody. And one case, a particular person did it. And one of the persons came back to me and said, when he approached, and they're very good. They will only approach those who are rich. They don't approach who are poor. They watch, they see. And when this person went to a particular person and said, uh, I need help. So the person said, okay, I will check with Pastor James. And immediately he said, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. Okay. And uh, that's the problem. Imagine you out of your emotion is helping one person. And that person has already taken from six others. And all six, seven people are putting into one person while all the other ten who need help are going hungry. Okay. This is the major. And it has happened to us in the old days. Two, three times, four times, different people have come and done it. And when they left after that, when we were inquiring a hearing, I said, why didn't you tell me? Oh, no, we thought, Pastor, we don't want to trouble you. I said, you are troubling me now. If you had told me then, you wouldn't have troubled me. A lot of people have done that. And that is why it is wise. And every case when one person said, okay, I will give it to you, but let me check with Pastor James. They said, no, no, don't trouble Pastor James. It is okay. And they left. Okay. This is what is happening. Okay. So... That's why we have to be very wise about it. Okay, very wise. Be wise as a serpent. Be gentle. How you deal with people, be gentle as a dove. But the Bible, Jesus says, be wise as a serpent. Be very wise. Because all kinds of people are there. Yes. <clears throat> Christian life has its share of difficulties and painful. Would you agree with me? Of course. <laughs> it is with much tribulation we will enter, enter into the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And these times can be burdensome and spiritually distracting. Paul wrote for the need of comforting, First Thessalonians 2.12. Do you agree we need to be empathetic, uh, empathy and not sympathy? Okay, let us go to second First Thessalonians 2.12. That you would walk worthy of God who calls you in his own kingdom of and glory. Okay. Uh, I didn't get huh? okay. okay. Anyway, let's go back to the question. Maybe they got the... Uh, do you agree we need to see? Uh, sympathy and empathy are primarily different. They are not the same. Okay. But uh, sympathy is something which, which you see and which moves you. Mm. You know it moves you. Empathy is more general. You don't have to see it, but you know. Like we feel, we feel sorry for the poor in India. 
It's empathy. We need to help the poor. Sympathy is a specific person. Empathy is more general. So the more general empathy is that, you know what? You need to comfort believers who are on the road, hmm. spiritually on the road, because they are facing trials. They're facing trials. You have to encourage them. You have to comfort them, which is true, because it's testing times. You have to pay for the biggest gift you can give to anybody in the kingdom of God is your gift of prayer. <coughs> you have to uphold them in prayer. Even if you have nothing to give, even if you have nothing to give, you can give them your prayer. You can uphold them in prayer and God can do things for them. Yes. Okay, God. God can do. So when it comes to empathy, like let's let's look at um Christians in Nigeria. Okay, let us say Sammy and Peter are here. It is easier for them to sympathize with them than for us, empathize with them than for us, because they are from Nigeria. Yeah. They're from Niger. But because they are students over here, they cannot materially really help them. Okay? But you can always, you know, it's a word of encouragement, a word of comfort if you hear and actually go to your prayer closet and pray. And then you hear about somebody and you send them a note by saying, you know what, we pray for you every day. We pray for you every day. Okay? Where you can help, where you have the resources, that's a different thing. I'm saying even people who do not have resources do not realize they have something they can give. That is their prayer. And prayer does change things. Prayer does change things. It happens. Okay? Let's look at the situation when Peter is in prison. The church had no influence with the Roman government. They had nothing, no say, nothing. They like chattel before the Roman government. But they knew they could do one thing. The church was gathered and they were in prayer. And you know what? God sent an angel and opened the doors for them. And I do believe that is when we hear the news, we see what happening in U.S., and U.S. is important for us in our days, our times in Christianity. U.S. is important. U.S. falls. It affects the church has no voice. No voice. Just look at that. Uh, election time and then Biden took over. China just swallowed Hong Kong. Hong Kong is gone. But we do not realize when Hong Kong went, huge chunk of Chinese, the Hong Kong Chinese or the people of Hong Kong were Christians. Mm. They were Christians. So China swallowed up Hong Kong. Now they are rattling the saber at Taiwan. They are after Taiwan. Okay, they are after everybody. There is nobody they are not after. Okay, so the question is, we have a burden to pray for the church in America to stand up. Please, we have to stand up. Open your eyes. So there is empathy. Empathy is important. We have to comfort them. We have to encourage them. Okay, and we cannot be detached from what is happening. The church in China, if we can help them materially, they would be grateful. The church in Afghanistan, if we can help them materially, too. the church in America does not want material help. They want prayer. Mm. They want prayer. They don't want material help. Okay, they want prayer. Mm. Okay, so we have to understand everybody has something to give. The churches in poor places, we pray, Lord, how can we give? Or Lord, open doors for they receive the resources to survive. The churches in other countries which are kind of prosperous don't need that. They need prayer so that they are able to stand, withstand the assault. So there has to be sympathy 
and there has to be empathy. Both has to be built into our consciousness. And you will suddenly realize, you know what, you do these things in your regular prayer life and in your life, time just flies. You don't have time to get depressed and discouraged. Okay, because in Second Corinthians chapter one. One chapter comfort. Yeah. Okay. Chapter one. Second Corinthians chapter one. Yeah, verse one onwards if I am right. Yes. Yeah. God of all comfort both. One onwards. Chapter verse one onwards. Okay. Paul, Apostle, okay, we are in Akasya, to all church of God, okay. Grace to you, peace from God, our Father, Lord Jesus, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. So and now look how he addresses this, a God of peace, different title, God of all comfort. Why? Verse 4, who comforts us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Okay, so look at that. One sentence is loaded with comfort. <laughs> it's a very comfortable <laughs> words. Okay, he says, you know what? We may be who comforts us in all our tribulation. No, we went through it. God comforted us. You know, you know what? It's our life experience. You know what? Now we have empathy. Hmm. Now we have empathy. We know what it feels like. We have empathy. So I hear, Paul says, I hear about the church in Akasya. I have hear of this going through, you know. I know what it feels like. I went through it. Mm. And God comforted. How did he comfort me? Through other men and mm. women. Now you know what? I want you to have the same heart. It's because we received comfort, we pass it on. Because the comfort we received was the comfort of God. So that's what it says, you know. And if you come to verse 5, in our tribulation, verse 5, yeah. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so also consolation also abounds through, through Christ. Christ. Mm. Okay. When sufferings includes, the, where does it actually come from, consolation? It comes from the church. Through Christ. But from the church. It's the church who comforts. The church who comforts, you know. The minute you hear, um, the, the church, in, especially in the West, the minute you hear about persecution, they immediately try to do what they can do. They always have reached out to persecuted churches. Now you have an organization called Open Doors. No Open Doors, Voice of the Martyrs. This is, that was Richard Womerans <laughs> from PP Job took over. And, uh, no, Open Doors is uh, Brother Andrews. Andrews. And Voice of the Martyrs is Richard Womerans. You know why? If you look at all these people, who were they? They were persecuted. Brother, Andrew was with the underground church all his life, miraculously God opened doors for all these things. So now what he's got is heart for the underground church. So they are always there. You, They hear a news, it reaches them, they will have a local person who will go check it out, it is genuine, and they will reach out resources like you have a house of a believer, because I know what Open Doors does. You have a hive of Halua that was attacked and burned down to ashes. And nobody to help them. The local church itself is very poor. You know what happened? They have a local person over there who will go check out it is true. And if it is true, he will report back. And they will send resources to build a home back for them and to see they have provided with a job something over there. Open Doors does this around the world in persecuted. You know why? Because the founder had gone through it. Choice of matters, does it? You know why? Because the founder was in prison for 14 years. So if you look at it, Eastern governments hate these two organizations. Yes. They hate them. 
but open doors report is accepted by the us congress about persecution yeah this happens one of the reports us congress accepts about persecuted nations and persecuted religious minorities and when it comes to christianity they accept open doors so that's what i am talking about that is where comfort <coughs> comes we'll go through this and it is our job to comfort them. the church in the underground church in afghan needs comfort and help the churches in the middle east need it we hardly hear what happens to them but every day it's life and death for them the churches in nigeria that hostile part of nigeria slaughter going on who is there mm-hmm. governments don't care governments don't care they don't care at all they don't care at all so who is there? the church has to stand up so what you can if you can give resources then over and above what i said in the previous question you find out an organization that is genuine and say I would like to help you. You can help open doors. Open doors will do. They are, they are, they are, they are good on, they are a good organization. You know, I would like to help the persecuted church. You can. If you are listening from US or, uh, open doors USA, I think Curry is the CEO. You can directly help them and they will help. They will help and they will wet. Usually they are, they get it right. Yes. They get it right. They have genuine organization. They have genuine organization. They are. No, you can. If you're in Australia, you can help. You've got money. You can help through open doors. But if your own church is involved in it, anybody is listening, go through your church. But you need to have sympathy. That is with the one which you see. You need to have empathy for the ones you do not see. Mm. You need to have both. You have to both. Yes. Pastor, another practical question. This is, uh, this is 18, question number 18. <clears throat> yeah. My husband and I are praying about homeschooling our children. 18, okay. This is question number 18. Yeah. The, my husband and I are praying about homeschooling our children. They are under 10 years old. We both have the peace about not sending them to regular school. But when we think about the challenges of teaching them at home, the area of discipline and also about their boards, etc., we are not very clear how to go about it. Would you please educate us about the pros and cons of it? And how will it affect us in the future, especially when the government is against Christians and Christian education? I hope I'm clear with my question. Thank you so much for all that you do for us and teaching us God's ways. Okay. First, uh, we are talking about the first 10 years of exam schooling. 10 years. By the time your child is 15 years old. Okay. And by that time... Like we saw last Sunday, if you, your child is born in a believing family where both parents are believers by the time he is 15 or she is 15, things should be settled in his mind. Yep. He or she is ready to go into the world. You don't have to worry about further education. Only thing that you pick the school or college very carefully where still the safest environment you pick. Mm-hmm. Safest environment you pick. So we are talking about in Indian context, it's from till grade 10. Grade 10, always you have an option. You have an option of doing what is called NIOS, okay, National Open Schooling. You can do National Open Schooling and its certification is valid for admission anywhere. Okay. But the first thing I would say to parents is that we see the precedence in the Word of God and it is there. We have a living God. We have a living God who speaks. Therefore, we can actually, first as parents, don't put your child on the altar, put yourself on the altar. (laughs) 
die to your own dreams for your children so that god can speak his dream for your child okay honestly okay honestly first indian parents especially has to put themselves on the altar first don't put your child over there and be abrahamic first put yourself on the altar there and die to your own dreams for your child okay and then i mean i'm saying that while the formal education is going on you should be able to hear what god wants for your mm. child yes this is what god wants your child to be okay and be wise like rebecca okay so that then you know this is what god wants my son or my daughter to be and therefore this is that's why i always say and it's so important peace and unity in a home is so important if you have to hear from god okay like uh, in rebecca's case god spoke to rebecca spoke to rebecca in first peter 3 7 we saw your prayers will be hindered to the man if you look at uh, the entire gospel account of jesus christ after the first time god only spoke to joseph right gospel account god only spoke to joseph but if i am right if you read the entire gospel account joseph never speaks a word Absolutely. only mary talks even when he is at all is mary who is talking joseph is always silent he never speaks a word in the entire bible never speaks a word yet god only speaks to him he doesn't speak to his wife okay so we have patterns over here and therefore the first thing always in a home in a christian home is pursue peace pursue peace one accord unity what happens clarity comes in what you hear otherwise there will be a conflict you know what husband says i want my child to be this wife says no i think he should go that way we don't want conflict how do you resolve conflicts they two shall become one it is not which one it is he is the one that is how the three chord chord god says this is what i want your child to be it's very simple let's god say your child should be a doctor one funny thing is then you don't have to worry bpc this thing you know what to choose second if god says your child wants to be a doctor that means a seat is already booked for him already booked for him all you have to is train the child the door is already kept open by god it's your job to prepare him to go through that open door yeah. you don't have to prepare him and then break the door the door is already open for him you just have to prepare him that's what uh hana is doing she already set him i will give to you forever now my job is that i have made my vow he's yours my job is to prepare him to serve you yeah. and she did it she prepared him to serve him and he served god till the last breath okay this is where it comes the first thing okay because first we have to get the foundations right because we have lot of young couples in our churches everywhere and all our churches lot of mostly are young people all around the world it's young people in our churches young people in our churches so first get the foundations have peace about your past walk in unity walk in one accord and then come with the children okay in us you have millions opting out of the school system and going into homeschooling because the school has become poisonous dangerous place the most dangerous place there are two places which is very dangerous in us the first place is the womb the child can be killed right itself if he survives the womb he'll be destroyed in school, school. <laughs> okay these are supposed to be safe places but in america this has become the most dangerous places dangerous places okay so now coming to that after that okay so if you are talking about an indian context over there uh right to education is here 
And you need to understand there are a lot of non-Christian parents parents in India who homeschool their children. Mm-hmm. Who homeschool their children. Because they think these children are too good for the system. And if they put them in the system, it will only retard their growth. So they homeschool them and they do very well. They do extremely well. Okay. So the question is, then you come to the next question about the question about teaching at home. But that's a challenge. Yeah. Like if you are a mother, stay-at-home mother, that is a challenge you have to take. You have to take. Okay. You have to work that around. Okay. Work that around. Another way I would like in U.S. what they do is that all what's once in one locality, one set of homeschooling parents come together, and they do it together. Mm. So it is kind of a semi-formal school. Mm. So they all play together. They are usually they are all part of the same church. They have a, they come together and they do. But that is where uh, work at home mother becomes. She teaches them. She teaches them. She takes that responsibility and of course there will be some subjects which you are not able to teach for which you'll have to take help i mean if you're in a regular school also you're taking tuitions for your children yeah. right you take your man by the time you come to class eight and nine and seven you, see, you are not able to teach the math unless you're a math person you can't teach math so what do our parents do in regular they have tuition so in the same way at the foundational level, it won't be so different yeah. subjects. So you can, we'll have to get tuitions at a higher level. The discipline part is also, I mean, it is, there are two things about discipline. In some cases, the discipline at home is easier. In some cases, the discipline at school is easier. School, in discipline, there are no feelings involved. You're all one, sit there quietly or you get smacked. Okay, at home children will try all kind of tricks, but that is where you have to be firm and consistent, firm and consistent. So discipline is a different issue at all. Both has its pros. Discipline has, has its pros. Discipline at school has its pros. School can be very vindictive because can be vindictive, can be unfair. The teacher doesn't care. The teacher doesn't know. Here you can be too soft or too hard. So both pros are there. School discipline is one thing. Home discipline is one thing. But whether it is school or home, your child needs discipline. Yeah. Your child needs education. Okay. And please understand this. For hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, families survived with homeschooling. Yes. It was homeschooling. It was not trained. Hmm? Yes, yes. They got trained at home. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jesus did not go to school. He was trained at home and he became the best man ever. Okay, so that is there. And then, like I said about the government, I don't, the Indian government is, is not against homeschooling per se. There is no law against homeschooling. You can teach at home. And then shift to class 10 board exam and from there take, let them choose. And still there, you have to be very, very careful where you put your children in. Don't always put academics at the top when you pick your colleges. Because some of these academically Fantastic colleges are very dangerous places to what they teach your children and brainwash your children. Okay, so even there, like in US, I would say that mm, better than Harvard or Princeton and all, community colleges are sometimes very safe. Yeah. They're very safe. They may not have big name and all, but at the end of the day, who wants a big name? Mm. The question is, what, is, simple question to ask the pair, what do you want your child to be? 
what do you want to be i want my child to be successful which way god's way or world's way god's way nobody may know him he may not come in any paper any rank list or anything but you know what he will never give you trouble all your life mm. and he will serve his god faithfully he will be known in heaven and in eternity never never known in earth mm. or other hand your child on the world way could be a celebrity and be sitting in bicola prison for one month that's aryan khan what do you want your child to be it's your choice okay what is it it's the excuse but it is true that's why parents need to be very very clear about it very very let's go to that portion okay it's in the book of genesis genesis chapter 25 okay verse 21 onwards master sir yeah Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his plea and Rebekah his wife conceived okay you see how 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 it happens you see wife is wife is uh, barren barren and Isaac prayed and his prayer is not hindered though they have been married for 20 years and she is barren there's no conflict among them great marriage there it's a great marriage there's no conflict among them he's not blaming her but you are bare you know you are the problem in this home he's not blaming her no issues here they have and god heard his god is prayer okay god heard his prayer and his wife conceived the children struggled together within her and she said if all is well why am i like this so she what did she do she went to enquire of the lord you see the thing is that both the husband and the wife have a personal relationship with god that's important it's important it's not that isaac had a relationship with god rebecca you will see rachel did not have yes. leah did not have though they used the name of god and god this thing they did not have they never inquired of the lord <laughs> they never inquired of you the lord mm-hmm. yeah you never mm-hmm. see that rebecca had a personal relationship with god mm-hmm. isaac had a personal relationship so isaac heard from god rebecca heard from god so now the children are in her womb and she doesn't know they are children she doesn't know there's no scanning <laughs> okay there's no scanning okay so she cannot explain to isaac what's happening he doesn't know what pregnancy is so she directly goes to god and says you know what's happening what is this tumult in my tummy so god says verse 23 the lord said to her two nations are in your womb two people shall be separated from your body one people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger now as a mother you love both your babies and they're twins okay but then now do you love god with all your heart all your might all your strength will you serve god or your feelings the question is now now she simply has to make a choice i have to separate these two because the younger has been chosen by god elder has not been you know what as a mother i will go with god i'll go with god it's heartbreaking but i will accept god's verdict over my life yeah. this is abraham's true daughter in law super kya baat hai abraham took his son mm. bound him on the altar and raised his knife i will go with what you said and she went with what god says 
is Jacob. And then, if you come further down, 24. Her days were fulfilled, gave birth, indeed there were twins in a womb. The first came red, was a hairy garment. All over they called his name Esau or Edom. And afterward, his brother came out, his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew. And Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in the tents. Did you see that? Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebecca loved Jacob. Full stop. Why did he love Jacob? Isaac loved Esau. Reason is given. Rebecca loved Jacob. Full stop. Why? She loved Jacob because she knows God has chosen him. I don't want to have a love outside of God's love. She's a wise mother. And that's why she kept him in the tents. Because he's got a destiny. Mm. Got a destiny. So from here onwards, you will see there is a divergence over there. The husband and the wife. There's a divergence. The unity goes. When two children come slowly, the unity and the accord in the family goes. You know why? Because I still did not hear from God. He didn't hear from God. He didn't hear from God about Esau. He didn't hear from God, from Esau. Rebecca heard. Okay, from there the problem begins. Till then, till the age of 60, everything was fine. 60, and as the boys started growing, the father and the mother go two ways, and the children also go two ways. Okay, so we have a precedence over here. If God could speak to Rebecca about the future of Jacob, he will speak to the future of our children too. True. And once we have heard from him, we don't pick a career for them. God has picked a career for them. Our job is to prepare them for that career. Otherwise, that's what I said first. The parent has to be on the altar and die to his and her dreams for the child. Okay, child. And if God has given a dream for your, uh, given a vision for your child, and the child goes in another way, you still never give up. You never give up. You never give up and you say, you know what, God spoke to me and I will still stand by why God. That my son or my daughter picked up another career, it was not because I did not believe. It was in spite of my belief. That I will still believe that the call of God is irrevocable. That it doesn't matter how long it is. Like in Moses' case, at 80, the call comes. He took another career. Yeah. He switched two careers. First, he was prince of Egypt, then he was shepherd, shepherd. of Midian, and third, he became God's servant. Yeah. He switched two careers, but his call never changed. 80 years later, the call still comes back and says, this was the reason you were born. Yeah. Okay. So parents who have heard and children go another way, don't give up. Don't ever give up. And keep saying, you know what, I know. I heard from God. God said, this is what my child will be. He or she is in a completely different career. But you know what? My God says the calling and the gifts are irrevocable. One day he will accept the call and the gifts that goes with the call will come with him or her and they will fulfill God's purpose. I will not quit on God because even though my son or daughter is unfaithful, still God is faithful. That's how we hold on to these mm. things. So don't worry about education. Don't worry about the Indian government also or any government. Don't worry about it. As long as you have freedom, like in US, India, to homeschool your children, which Western Europe doesn't allow you to homeschool your children, do it. Do it. 
you know and i will always say that even for people in western europe and all you should make these your immigration choices i'm going to get married i'm in germany i can't bring them up the way i want you know what let me immigrate to us and to a red state It's easier for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. because Germany, they won't allow you to homeschool your children. They'll mm-hmm. take your children away from you, lose custody of your children. They won't allow you. Many Northwestern European nations won't allow you. Children. children belong to you, the state if you try to teach them because they say you have to integrate with the society. So what do you do? You try to, when every Tom, Dick, Harry is climbing the wall and getting into America, you can easily immigrate because you are from Western Europe. Nobody is going to stop you from immigrating because you are qualified, you have wealth. Go through proper immigration, take your children, settle down in a small little town with a small little job. At least your children are safe. Because remember, one thing you have in your home, which is from God, are your children. you can lose everything else it does not matter in it even your health you can lose it doesn't matter in eternity you'll get a new body you can't lose your children can't lose your children as god will ask you where are the children i gave it to you he asked israel where are the children you bore unto me unto me where are the children we can't lose our children that's why education is so so important it is very very important what schools what curriculum you choose for your children because the devil is waiting there once he's got your their mind it's very difficult to really release them out of it and that's what happened american lost it in the schools they lost it in the homes and then they lost it in the schools and before you knew it was gone so if it has to come back you have to come back and that's one thing that happened with covid and the crt thing and all millions of people the, the the millions of parents have homeschooled are homeschooling homeschooling okay and that has to be done if you have to break the school unions the simple thing to do is pull your children out of schools because unions survive only on the the government gives you money per child you want to break the whole if it's, it's, it's teachers unions who are behind uh, the democrats the unions you know you want to break the union pull your kids out of the schools and move to your red state before they come after your home also because california will do anything crazy possible they're going crazy they're going wonky in america they say as goes california so goes us change it say as goes texas so will go us and florida they are red states they're changing you know so to the parents in us i would tell them is that pull your kids out and go to a red state make a sacrifice it's worth it unless god specifically wants you in a blue state don't live in a blue states unless you are a witness if you have little children pack up and move before they come after your children and take eat their brains out with junk homeschool them if your state still permits homeschooling homeschool them don't send it to public schools it's not worth it you will lose your children yes pastor vijay we we'll call it a die absolutely <laughs> that's the time super okay. okay so we'll stop there did we deal with the questions we have yeah, all the practicals we practicals okay. there's one more question on baptism but i think you can handle it the next time Oh, baptism, that is the older question, not yeah, today. Yeah, it's an older question, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll pray. 
Father, this morning, this evening, Lord, we just come to you, Lord. We want to thank you once again. Yes, Father, as the end is clo- getting closer and closer and the closer and time itself is being wrapped up like a scroll and the kingdom and the king is so close, we are coming to those nitty-gritties of life, the home, the marriage, the children and work. If 2,000 years ago you said, shall be my witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now it's the other way around, Lord. It is back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Where Hallelujah to the Lamb you will come. Yes, Lord. Yes. Eyes are on Jerusalem because soon you will descend upon that city. Amen. 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 And the millennial reign will begin. Hmm. All we have to do, keep first, is our families, our household, our children are all in the kingdom, safe and secure. Nothing else is important, Lord, neither education nor wealth nor health. They all have its place, but nothing more is more important than the souls of our loved ones. And I pray when we make our decisions, we will make a decision keeping the soul first, not the body. Because yes. you said, do not fear him who can kill your body and after that do nothing. But fear him who has the power to throw your body and soul into hellfire. And I pray, Father, you will guess wisdom and discernment to make decisions. Keeping the soul, our own soul, the souls of our loved ones first. And I speak peace into every heart. So weekend begins. Tomorrow is Sunday. And I pray we'll come into your house in peace. You would have made peace at home, peace with God, and come as peaceable people into the house of God so that we would be able to truly worship you, Lord. Be with all your children around the world, wherever they are. Let not the spirit of condemnation be there upon mm. anyone. When they are convicted, Walk into confession and believe the blood of Jesus will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Nothing left, all unrighteousness. And we can walk with God, walk with one another once again. Heal them, bless them, provide for them, and keep them, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.